This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your life and with your community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cameron here. Well, I am just overjoyed and... Stoked out of my mind to bring you this conversation, chat, revelatory experience with Rebecca Sugar, who is amazing and created and showruns the television show Steven Universe on Cartoon Network. If you're not watching Steven Universe, I really wish you would. I love it. I love what Rebecca is doing for children's television and this conversation I mean, you're just going to love it. Also, Rhea and I are still out on the road. I'm in Brooklyn as I record this, and on Tuesday, we'll be in Cleveland. On Wednesday, Pontiac, Michigan. Then this weekend, I've got Minneapolis, Chicago, and Madison coming up before I will be back in L.A. with Rhea at Put Your Hands Together at the UCB Theater. So I just want to say, in the meantime, I have been looking at the numbers of folks that are... Uh, listening to this show and so many of you have come up to me at during this tour and just thanked me for it and I just want to say thank you I mean you are making this a success really it's unbelievable and one thing you could do leave us a rate and review situation on iTunes if you listen on iTunes um, that helps us a lot but otherwise please enjoy this app Queeros. Well, I am so excited to have uh, today's guest, I guess technically back. Yeah. <laughs> on the show. I guess technically back. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Rebecca Sugar. Uh, I'm a animator and a comic artist, and I created the show Steven Universe for Cartoon Network. Um, yeah. And I, and I think Steven Universe is such an awesome show, and I also had the really cool privilege of like seeing you um play some songs from steven universe on the ukulele which i didn't even really i didn't like realize that was part of the whole thing was that i mean i i my songs well yeah i didn't i didn't realize that like you wrote all the songs or like some many yeah Yeah. not all yeah and then i didn't realize that you performed them ever i well that's because i don't. That was actually the first time I had ever just performed music. Oh my gosh. Um, that was my first set ever. Um, I've done it at conventions where I'll be answering Q&A and then I'll play a song. I've actually been doing that since I worked on Adventure Time because um, I wrote a lot of songs also for Adventure Time. Um, but it's always been a Comic-Con thing where it's like, oh, you know, I'll play the I mean, I, the thing I wrote. I don't know why, like my limit, the limit on my imagination is like somebody could draw and come up with concepts. Like that's like you know what I mean. Like I was like, <laughs> they can name a character, draw it, the end. There's like not a so I I um yeah I, I never, loved watching you. I never thought music was the was always the hobby for me. I I studied animation in school. I was drawing comics growing up, and I wanted to work in animation uh, and then singing and playing music was something I did for fun. It really only like my brother and my very closest friend ever heard me play music. Like that's not something I ever did in front of people. Um, and they'd be you know, silly songs about the comic books we were reading. I was very, very private. Um, and then I wrote instrumental tracks for my films in college with some friends and I wasn't a band uh for a little bit although i wasn't writing the songs for i wasn't writing the songs for that band but we would busk a little bit and i was on the banjo ukulele and i was very (laughs) i mean i was very quiet like people couldn't hear me at all there were there were like eight of us in this band and where where you but like where would you but where would you busk Uh, we were in new york city so like subways yeah subways oh man 
Yeah. There was this awesome moment where we, we went out during the holidays, and I had it. As I was going home, I still had my instrument out because I actually didn't have a I didn't. I don't think I had a case for it. So I was just holding it. And then just a bunch of strangers, we all just started singing White Christmas. And I was doing all the harmonies for it. And it oh was like goodness. one of those truly. Uh, and then I think I, I sort of flubbed and sang the wrong part. And it like disintegrated. <laughs> but it was so good for a second. I'm sorry that New York is always sitting New York, right? Mm-hmm. It's always just right <laughs> on the nose. Um, I had my street performer's license for a little while because I lived in Boston and I did like improvised puppet shows on the street with the improv theater that I worked at. I will say that oh. people liked that less <laughs> than White Christmas <laughs> in a subway. Uh, a lot of people... Weren't open to our particular. Well, it was it was a very interesting. Thing. Yeah, I mean, like maybe people don't want to interact with puppets on the street. Maybe you know what I mean. Like <laughs> live and learn. <laughs> that sounds great to me. I, I mean, it was your fun. Show. What was your puppet? It was like? fun. Well, we just had a. I had like just a, like a little guy puppet. I didn't make him. Uh, somebody oh. else, the person who made the like improv group made all the puppets so i just had somebody else's puppet that i made that was a little guy uh-huh. like i didn't spend all the i can't i didn't henshaw i didn't henson workshop that thing oh. i can't like take credit for placing the eyeballs and stuff like that you know i love puppetry it's cool when you're when people are really good at it not yeah. like <laughs> not like improvisers that are trying to like you know maybe there's chat some, you up in harvard square maybe there's like a charm about it like a like a Naive drawing. Like, if you really care about puppets. Yeah. But maybe don't have that experience. I'm sure there's still some I mean, I'm very charming. I'm sure it was charming. (laughs) Like, this is not up for debate. Of course it was charming. Uh (laughs) Um, I want to say, well, oh, why I said welcome back. Right. Because right before we were starting, you were like, you should just say what actually happened. It's cool. Okay. So do you want to just say what actually happened? Yeah, yeah. So I did this podcast before. Um, and it's very rare that I ever talk about my own personal experience. So I I went in very nervous and at a certain point I just wept and we (laughs) we had to, you had to stop tape. And, um, so I really wanted to come back in and just be really positive because I am, I feel really positively, it's been such an incredible hugely positive change in my life to be able to talk about this and to be um, out as a bisexual has been completely life-changing and so wonderful. So I I definitely don't want to give the impression that it's something that is negative in any way. Well, First of all, I will say that it didn't come off to me that there was any like sort of innate sadness about who you actually are. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I was actually I was really happy. I was actually really happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I think it's very and it's also this is an intense thing that I'm asking of people mm-hmm. and um you and you know everybody else who's been on the show is extremely gracious to want to do this thing. I mean, this is like my dream project. This does not have to be yours or anybody else's. Like what I wanted to do was to, you know, have the kinds of conversations that like we might have interpersonally for a larger group of people. So people like know what we talk about and how we encourage each other and like what queer community really looks like. Right. Well, that's what's been such a revelation to me. Um, because having those conversations with you, they're all some of the first conversations like that that I've ever had. I mean, this is so new for me because for so long, I just assumed I couldn't talk about it. And I think it's something that has has a lot to do with being bisexual. I didn't realize I could be out as a bisexual person. I didn't really understand that you could be bi and out. Um I think when I was a a teenager, when I was a kid, really, and I first sort of realized this about myself, a lot, people's response was mostly, you know, 
it was very kind. And it was like, you could be with whoever you want, you know, whatever ends up happening, however it ends up shaking down, it's cool. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I'm not someone that has had a huge amount of dating experience, really. I'm very, a relatively shy person and I've only been with a few people in my life. Uh, and I want to, I'm with someone now who I want to spend the rest of my life with. And that person is a man. And we've been together for many, many, many years. And as it was becoming clear that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with this person, I thought, well, so I'll never, I'll never be out. Because I thought being out would mean, I thought I could only be out if, if I were with a woman. And I suppose that that's what a lot of bi people go through. I think you learn when you, when you sort of see it in those terms... Um, there's something that you learn really early on, which I think is sort of a common thing with, with relationships in general. Let me see if I'm going to start this and see if I can articulate it a little clearer, if that's okay. Um, I think with a lot of relationships that can end up being very troubled, you really place all of the emphasis on your partner. Um... And wait, this is why I have notes. <laughs> can I can I jump in? Yes. And just say and just ask you something and then yes. and then I wanna hear I wanna hear the notes, but I just wanna ask you something. Mm-hmm. Um I know so, right, I always so, bring notes to my conversations with friends. <laughs> my listen, bullet. listen, like here here's the here's the real truth. Mm-hmm. If we wanted to accurately portray what it is like to be a queer person. All of the stuff that has happened is part of that thing, right? right? Like you and I having a conversation where you were full of emotion and then you deciding like after the fact, hey, I don't know that I want like people I don't know at all listening to that thing Mm -hmm. and then asking for us to have another conversation and then bringing notes like like it's it really is like a. Everything that plays out is exactly how that was supposed to play out. So, yeah. so I feel like things have been so easy for some people on this show be- because, um, you know, there are some people who like their job is to speak about their their identity. Right. And so I would just like to say to you, bring notes, like start and stop. <laughs> I don't care. I don't think that the listeners will care because it is an accurate portrayal of right. somebody understanding themselves yeah. and trying to articulate it. Well, and I'm excited like I I want to reach people who it's new to me that I that I get to reach people who relate to this. And I think the interesting thing has been that I've been able to do that with my cartoon. Uh, so there was a sort of a stretch of time where 100,000 children knew I was gay and I, it was a conversation I hadn't had with my family. <laughs> like this is very very strange and I and I was like but I'm also not gay, so it's not something that anyone knew, and yet everyone knew. And I was in this really strange, I think, situation where I was like, well, I'm writing about my, I'm writing and drawing from my personal experience, something that I've always done. But these are really, you know, this isn't now, and these are just feelings that I've had, and uh, this is just something that makes sense to me that I suppose I figured it didn't necessarily make sense to anybody else, but I was still going to draw about it. I think the other thing when you're bi is that there's this idea that if you talk about it, you're desperate for attention, um, that you're just talking about it because you want to be cool or that it's very sexy, uh, none of which really made sense to me or, or sort of fit with the way that I felt about it. I think mostly I felt worried that by being in a relationship, I was just a liar all the time. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, what I what I wanted to say is I think part of what you're talking about is, um, well, listen, nobody should have to have their identity dictated by like a set of proofs. Or external representations, right? So, Mm -hmm. like, um, 
me being gay has like nothing to do with Rhea. Right. And it also has like a lot to do with Rhea. Right. She's in my life. Yes. And uh, that can be the same for you. Like you being bi has nothing to do with your partner, but it also has a lot to do with your partner because it also includes your partner. You know what I mean? Like, right. like your well, sexuality and your attractions and like it's you in relationship with other people. It's you in relationship with yourself. It's you and your place in the world. Right. It's you first and foremost. Yes. that That's what was so stunning to me. Uh, and I was 28, and it had taken me that long to understand that, which which really just knocked me over when I realized. Because when I finally did talk about this, and I had really bought into this idea, like, oh, this isn't, who cares? It's not a big deal. You know, that's sort of, uh, like, you can be with whoever you want. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, so I was really thinking like, oh, it doesn't matter. Labels. You know, people say, I, I don't need to be put in a box and all of that stuff. And uh, I thought that that made a lot of sense. But then here I was saying these words and like, I was uh, just a, a wreck. And I was so happy. Like to, the idea that I could be with the person that I wanted to be with and be out. I had never <laughs> understood that before. Like I had never, I thought it was a choice I was going to have to make that I would just be uh closeted forever if I was going to be with the person that I loved and I had just accepted that I think like a pretty long time ago I just accepted that and that I would sort of be able to I don't know the whole thing now looking back on it doesn't make any sense and I've certainly never seen I guess that's the thing you never see bisexuality really depicted in any way it's often just sort of not really addressed or when you do see it, it has more to do with uh, being with lots of people or uh, a phase you go through in college and, and things like that that, that are, I mean, these are, these are stereotypes. Um, like, who is a shy bisexual? <laughs> I didn't, but there there is a ton of information which I now have found. I would have sought it out if I weren't so scared. Uh, and that's what's been so amazing you know, about getting to know you and... Everyone that I've gotten to know and these kids who are like, it just blew my mind when I suddenly met all of these kids who understood me better than I understood myself because they had seen my cartoon. I mean, it's just wacky, honestly. It's bizarre. <laughs> <That's> so awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm so, I'm so happy that you are in the place that you're in. And please, do you want to look at that? You can. Oh. I just mean you can if you want to. I think I, I said a lot. Un I am un-stressed. Uh, I mean... I My bulleted list. <laughs> um, I think... Yeah, I think I, I think I covered a lot of ground. Well, that's great. <laughs> and I think... Um, oh, I guess I should say... Uh, I know... I feel like it must be a, a really similar struggle for pan and queer kids and the the whole i think being by there's there was a little bit of a tussle i think also in like uh 2015 like people were trying to really change the terminology uh actually you know what no i'm not gonna that's like a whole that was a whole fearful thing i don't need to talk about. you know i i think like some of the stuff that you're like that has been so fucking troubling i think we might be getting through a little bit as a community, which I'm really excited about. Mm -hmm. I think what I mean by that is like, and I don't, I don't mean to speak for other people in our community, but I will say that I have like, you know, now I have relationships with and friends who are like a trans, like a trans person who um, has like transitioned and takes hormones and um, you know, wants to fully present in like a like a surgically medical transition way. And I also know people who identify as trans who like haven't had surgery and don't take hormones. And I also know people who identify as non-binary and like um are sort of presenting a bunch of different like a like a mix of some of the traditional right. stereotypical like 
do do yes. you have facial hair and do you have body hair and then do you wear makeup like all of those things i just think that this is not ha- this is not happening overnight so i'm not saying mm-hmm. like everything is solved and everything's better it's also not happening geographically everywhere right. so i'm not saying everything is solved and everything is better but it does seem like there are at least like reference points now available where people are making their own choices about how they identify and then like what that means they need to present to the world. So like, and then also like what that means about their happiness and also like who they should be with. Like just because you're a trans person, like you don't have to be with another trans person. Just because you're a trans person, you don't have to like be straight or gay or like because I'm a lesbian, that doesn't mean I couldn't ever be interested in like a trans woman because right. she has some background that I can't like it's like right, we're just not. getting yeah. to this place where things are the the stress around tight boundaries is relaxing. Right. I love I love that and I love that the I mean this the spectrum is gorgeous and wonderful. And I love that the conversation has shifted I think from a who cares about a label to like do what makes you comfortable and I will respect that. Oh, I'm I wanted to say before I forget, somebody saying to you like um like oh, I don't even care. Like if you say I'm right. this, I don't even care. That's like so cruel by accident. Right, right, right. It's yes, it's it's I there was so I think it's what made me stop talking about well there i mean i know there was a lot of things that i learned as a teenager that i stopped talking about this um but that particular kindness is so strange and and i think one of the things as i was working on what i'm working on now especially because i know that i have a platform with which i can speak directly to kids i just want to just be like i care like i care about that so much it's not who cares i care and if nobody else says I care. I hope through whatever you've gotten from me, you know that I care and I would be interested. I think that's the other thing about including these characters and these themes in media for kids that is so crucial. Because what you learn when you don't see that is that your story isn't interesting. And it isn't beautiful. And you learn that as a kid. Maybe you will find out that it's not that, that your story is beautiful and interesting as an adult. If if your experience has been completely invisible in all kids' media and then you grow up and you see something about you or you somehow manage to find it even though it wasn't something in family entertainment, even if you see it and you know that it was for adults, you still know as a kid, I wasn't supposed to see that. And that has a really profound effect, I think on a kid to know that the thing you relate to is not really supposed to be for kids because what you learn is that in a in a in an appropriate world you aren't there in a in a family friendly all ages appropriate world you're not supposed to be there and you internalize that so hard i mean i know that i did i know that i did too i I just always identified with, like, the dude character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there was just, like, not another option or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, that, I understand why. I understand the history of that, you know, of not including those characters in characters that are like us, you and I, mm-hmm. in children's programming it's always from a bad place it's from the like very um harmful and inaccurate like well we have to protect kids from this thing right which implies that it's a change that happens to you when you get to adulthood and um divorces kids from knowing themselves and then i mean for me not knowing myself like not understanding what's going on for me i i got in some bad situations and i'm pretty lucky that the like trauma and it is real trauma like real bad real actual bad things happened to me because i was yeah forced to divorce myself from knowing myself um i know but I, that I, trauma was small compared to what could have happened you yeah. know like and i look at that and when people say they want to protect kids 
You know, it's such a lie because if you wanted to protect kids, you'd give kids the tools to know themselves so that they can make good decisions and keep themselves safe. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I do agree that it's I feel like it's. I gosh, I, I don't want to seem. Um, I'm going to spin this around. I'm going to spin this around to a, a to a positive place. But I think. I know I know I certainly rushed into things and made and made some poor choices because I was very desperate for a partner to explain to me what was going on with me. Like I think especially as a bisexual person, you know, you you that's what you find out. It's just like you're not going to know until you're with someone or I guess lots of people. Like it's very confusing or it was very confusing for for me. Uh, at the time, um, I haven't been with lots of people. I think the thing that I learned pretty quickly from that thought, because I was like, oh, I'm bi, and then people would be like, well, no, you're not. How, how do you know? How do you know, right? So I'd be like, well, I guess I'll just have to see who I end up dating, and then it'll count or something. Because um, I was very I was very little when I, I figured this out very young. Like what age do you think? I, oh my gosh, 12, 13, 14, maybe even 11, but I didn't sort of under, understand. I mean, I was, I remember being a little kid and lo- and looking back on what was, what I was thinking about and being like, oh, I was like, why was I so scared of this girl? Oh, I was just really, <laughs> just really liked her. <laughs> like it wasn't like, and there, you know, I'd be friends with someone, but then it would be different with someone else. And it was, it was happening pretty across the board. Uh, you know, at a, at a certain point I figured it out and I was like, oh, I, maybe I can like say this, but then that's sort of the, the response is like, oh, oh, please. Or, and then I thought, oh, I guess I remember thinking like, I think I was 14. I remember thinking like, oh, I guess I'm not bi. I guess I just want to be. And that was it. It was done. Uh, But why would I want to be? I just, I wanted to, what I wanted to be was out. And then I wasn't for until I was 28. (sighs) Anyway. That's a lot of years. Yeah. Of like shoving. Yeah. I mean, like all my friends, I think pretty much knew. I just like, and it's not like there weren't women, um, but then I, you know, I could just never say, like, I could never say it. I could never say that I was bi. I just didn't want to open myself up to that. I didn't want people to think that I just wanted attention. So I was very shy. That was the last thing I wanted anybody to think about me. But I think what what I learned, I think what you learn when you. When you hear that, is that your partner matters and your feelings don't matter. That's totally true. I would also say that the wanting attention thing is, it's a thing that that I think um, a lot of different queer people hear. You know, like, it's definitely something I've heard as a lesbian, mm-hmm. but, like, from a different perspective. Like, uh, like, yeah, I have no problem with that. So, like, why, like, why are you, like... Why is this? Why? Why would you bring this up? Right. Well, why would I, you? Why would you talk about this on stage at a place where people have specifically paid to come see you talk about this mm-hmm. on stage? And and it's like, you know, the thing. The who doesn't who doesn't make art and tell stories about their first who they are and thank the people you. that they like finally <laughs> and the yeah. people that they're with and the, you know and just their experiences as kids. The and everything. number of times that somebody has said to me like, I just don't understand why you have to talk about being gay. And why you have to write. I used to have this column um, at the AV Club, and mm-hmm. I loved writing it. And it was about stand-up. It was about touring and doing stand-up. And at first, there was a really great positive response. Um, and then I think, like, I don't know what what people thought. Um like that I was going to write from my personal perspective and then like that some of the columns would be from like a straight dude <laughs> perspective. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. like sometimes I was going to talk about the names that people called me when they heckled me. Uh-huh. But sometimes I was just going to talk about like being a straight cis dude with a dick 
and sh- and using a microphone as a pen. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't know what they thought the that like you know what I mean? Like, I just mm-hmm. there was. So what started happening is that the commenters got super cruel mm-hmm. to like a degree that sometimes was a little bit scary. This is why I know about this because the AV Club would would. The editors, like, to protect me, would sometimes tell me when stuff got real weird oh, mm-hmm. and intense just so that I didn't, like, get myself. I mean, I'm I'm, a, I'm in public. People know where I am. I advertise where my shows are. They were just like, somebody said something real weird, so you should know about it. But then, like, I mean, people would tell me, too. Like, right. I, it's not like I was, like... At home, like, oh, I wrote this piece. Better read every single col- like a commenter. Like, people would come up to me at shows and be like, "I love what you write," but like, man, sorry about those commenters. I'm like, what are they fucking saying? And it was, it got so brutal. Um, they stopped writing it oh, because, man. like, I just, uh, I just didn't. I loved the support of the AV Club. Mm-hmm. I just didn't care about like putting myself out there mm-hmm. to be like shat on like that in public because I can do other stuff. Like I can just like right. always think of it. I'm a, I'm an ideas guy. I can right. always think of another thing. I don't need to like put myself in this space where I'm getting abuse, but it was so bizarre to me because I just didn't understand how anybody could think that I should be writing from a different perspective. And also like, to have a, a, you could just not read the column, <laughs> like, uh-huh. like that's like that's how small this intrusion was into these people's this like this person's life or whoever this is that's like writing some like really aggressive comment. Mm-hmm. It's like literally all you'd have to do is just read everything else on the site. Mm-hmm. You could just not read that one. <laughs> but the fact that it just There's the just the but fact, that's the thing. The fact that, that it exists. It's the fact that I exist. We yeah. It's the fact that exist we exist at all, and that's um. I remember, well, when I was first starting to talk about this, because I, at a certain point, I was, I was like, I really want to, I want to champion this, and I feel like that's my new dream. I want to champion LGBTQIA, all of it, content in G-rated family entertainment. I want to do that forever, because I feel like it's the thing. People are championing that. In stuff for adults, you have to put it in stuff for kids. It's the crux of the problem. Um, but part of that was I've got to start, or I've got to start talking about it, which was really hard for me to do. And I was sort of talking about it, but not really talking about myself. Um, which people could tell, and they'd be like, "What's going on, <laughs> like with her?" And um, and then even as I was doing it, even you know, people who are close to me would be like, well, now it's good. They were like, well, be careful. Like, it was like a protective thing where it's, and I I was, this was the first time I was getting to talk to a lot of my friends and family about this. But then a lot of times the first response would be like, oh, we're we're worried that the world is not, that you're going to get hurt because you're doing this, which is, I think, worse because I understand that there's a reason I didn't do it for so long. I understand that I mean, it. I remember it coming from all all sides. It's sort of no nowhere I was supposed to be, um, and I know it's going to be like that. And especially trying to speak to kids, but I just believe in it so much. But then also, I would like. Yeah, it would be great if uh, the people who I know, people who love me, first instinct is to worry. But that hurts so much, too, because it's like, oh, I can finally talk to you about this, but you're worried. And and I just, I guess I wish I'd, I think it's also why I didn't talk about it. I don't want to worry anybody. Uh, like, why am I creating a problem? Oh, right. Just, I mean, but that's like, I think we talked about this last time. You know, I... Th- For a person that isn't queer, the, like, coming out moment or the talking about this moment, I think, feels very like, oh, everything used to be fine. Now you're crossing this threshold. And after this, 
everything will not be fine. Mm-hmm. But I think for the queer person, oh, everything's so much better. It's the inverse experience where, like, your whole life you've been unsure of what you were and who you were and how to present yourself, and then you're crossing into this threshold where, like, it kind of doesn't matter when anybody. There's not any. Th- Number one, people have totally said cruel things to me. But there's nothing that somebody could say to me that would be worse than, like, um, me not being able to make the art that I make and talk to people about my real life and right. have the haircut I want to have. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. like, also be in the relationship that I want to be in. And that relationship means that that person knows me and all the relationships that I'm in. Yeah. Friend relationships, family relationships. They should know you. It's a part of knowing you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you feel seen. Yeah, it's the threshold into, like, awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's wonderful. It's so great. It's so great. I guess even the... Yeah. Yeah, it's so great. (laughs) It's, yeah, it just, everything makes sense. You, You are walking around with two feet on the ground instead of something else it's 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 hard to describe you're just solid in your own mind oh that's right can i ask like is this something that you had previously talked about in your relationship or is this a new thing for your relationship as well it was a new thing well the thing is it was new for me yeah um i remember there were some teenagers that came up to me after the show was out that um, a couple, and these girls were excited to meet me, and they were like, oh, we just wanted to ask you, because we, we think, oh, are you gay? And I, we were, me and my significant other were, were together at this thing, and, and they asked me, and I had, I had no answer. I couldn't say yes, but I also... I had no answer for myself. That's what really floored me is that I had really forgotten that that could be an answer. And I sort of said, oh, well, I'm with him. So, and I just, I couldn't believe sort of what was coming out of my own mouth. And I was just, I think even after that, I was like, I just felt very strange. I felt very exposed. Like everybody can see this. And a lot of people assumed uh, assumed a lot of things, and that's all fine. I was just, it was all while I didn't really have an answer for myself or anybody, and it was very obvious, I think, to everyone who knew me, but there were definitely things that I was scared to talk about. And I think I, knew, I felt that if I were really upfront about it, then... I would be admitting, I would, well, it, it's what it was. I'd be admitting that I liked women, and that would mean that I couldn't be with the person that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. So I just was not ready to think about that um, or deal with that. But I was totally ready to draw <laughs> cartoons about that. Because I, like, I love to draw cartoons. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Oh, um, my God. Thank you, Art, for existing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's cool to have you. I Well, listen, I don't think your um, experience is that. I started doing stand-up so that I could talk openly. I can't remember if we've talked about this. So maybe we have or haven't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, in knowing each other. Like, that I really started doing stand-up just to create space for me to talk about who I was. Mm-hmm. I was so tired of coming out to people all the time because Mm -hmm. the other thing is like I mean especially this is also this is true for like coming out as any sexuality it's like sex is such a part of it and then people get really like weird and sexy about it so it's like a hard thing to just kind of bring up casually in conversation like talking to your grandmother by the way I'm this and then it's like wait am I talking to my grandmother about sex it's like a whole thing and you're not but Mm -hmm. it's in there so it's like this whole thing and then on top of that um, the casual coming out that 
for me was happening because I had a same-sex partner. Like, it, I mean, I, I, this is how I've always described it. It's like you're at like a bagel store and just being like, I'll take two bagels. And they're like, oh, bring it home for the boyfriend. And then you're like, shit. Now I'm like, <laughs> now I'm like at a bagel store and I have to either be like, yes, and just like lie to a bagel employee. <laughs> or I have to be like, um, actually, it's a girlfriend. And like weirdly come out to a bagel employee. Like uh-huh. both options are so oh, weird. I love a fantasy future where it's where the yes. assumption would not be right. so immediate <laughs> on know. the part of the big bagelier. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So like is that the Yeah, that's what it be, is. A, ba- a bagelier? Yeah. That, yeah, that's a bagelier. They're in Venice. They have the long yeah. sticks. Um <laughs> They're on the boats. Um Yeah, I mean I just that so for me it was like what is like What's the way I can come out to, like, the biggest number of people at the same time mm-hmm. prior to talking to them? Mm-hmm. Oh, just, like, yell it into a microphone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just tell hundreds <laughs> of people at a time. Um, and then, like, bars will be more comfortable because I won't get hit on in weird ways that mm. I'm not, like, that I don't know how to answer. You know, like, so, anyway, I... I used my art to make myself safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you feel like your show, because it has like such a strong fan base, people love it so much, and people have been helped by it. Like, what about you? Oh, my gosh. I mean, h- hugely. I mean, it's why... I'm able to be out. I, I got connected to this community th- through this thing. I I wasn't a part. I wasn't a part of a community before. Um, I remember getting an email. This was, this was a while ago from a center in Long Beach, LGBTQ youth center. Um, I just mentioned them at, at Comic Con too recently. That was just. It was a huge deal for me to get to visit these kids. Um, I got this letter just thanking me for the show and the way that it stressed how important it is to have community. And I was still in that mode where I was like, labels, who cares? Whatever. Like, you know, oh, that's like, you know, like in this mode where I was like, I knew this stuff was going on and I was like, oh, that's nice. I guess I'm just doing this favor to other people for some reason that has nothing to do with me, even though I knew that wasn't true because that doesn't make any sense. And then I'm reading this thing and I'm just getting so emotional um, that it means that. But also this strange pang of like, I'm, I'm not a part. I never got to be part of this community. I didn't have this when I was a kid and these kids. And I knew that was the thing when I was a kid. I totally knew I could be a part of something like this. I just didn't know where it was. I had, and I never was able to connect to it. Um, So I was like, I want to come visit. I, like, I just wanted to go to, <laughs> to, this, to this place. I wanted to be there for the same reason they wanted to be there. I was like, I want to, I want. They're like, she is so nice. <laughs> I need this. Yeah. So I went and um, got to talk to these kids and that was when that was the first time that I came out was there it was before comic-con I never could have done what I did I came at it comic-con this was the thing that I broke down about in the uh version number one um I never could have done it if I hadn't said it out loud to this group and then they they understood and they were so thoughtful and asked me questions and I was there with with my significant other and they asked us both questions they asked what it was like you know because my partner is a man if people misunderstanding that was difficult for me no one had ever asked me things like that before I didn't know that anyone would ever understand that all anyone had ever uh I guess I I don't know. It was so thoughtful. And I was just stunned that they were actually interested in me as a person. And it made me realize that I had spent 
basically my whole life thinking that no one was interested in me as a person. That really surprised me. I just totally was like, all right, that's fine. Nobody nobody cares. Why did I think that? Because people were like, who cares? I mean, that's, I mean, that's why I thought that. It was pretty straightforward. But I really internalized that. And um, it was the... It was really surprising. And, I, and I've been, in the past, I haven't sort of taken great care of myself. I'm, I'm a real workaholic, if, if people don't know. I, I, I love to work. And I've run myself pretty ragged studying my art and, and a lot of sleepless nights. And um, I, really didn't, I really didn't care about myself, honestly. And I think that was a huge part of why. And this just was suddenly changing everything. Um, I mean, how are you supposed to... How are you supposed to like yourself if you can't like your own love feelings? You know, if you think that if people found out, you'd lose your relationship and people would, would all roll their eyes at you and I mean I think I had a good reason to think that because it's what had happened (laughs) um yeah uh so that was just it was amazing and I wonder too I was suddenly flooded with this thought it's just like how many how many people are in relationships and they've just accepted that that defines who they are and there's a huge piece of their mind that they never share and there's this feeling and I think it's a very it's something that makes sense to me also as a as a sort of self-destructive nerd just this this feeling of like oh I'm a, I'm a monster <laughs> you know I'm like I'm a, I'm a weird alien walking around and everyone else they're like real people you know um it's just a feeling that I took for granted as being like, oh, that's just what that's just what life is like. You just feel like garbage all the time. Oh no! <laughs> you know, I'm not, no, I'm like, but I'm like, I'm coming I mean, in here like, to do the positive version, dude. Uh, there doesn't have to be. There's none of this has to be inherently negative. Uh-huh. I'm just thinking like, I'm sorry that you had like a number, you know, done on you where people made you feel like. I mean, here's what I honestly, straight up, this is the truth. Mm-hmm. We are all being fed this lie that, like, the person that we choose as our partner is anything more than, like, our, you know, like, greatest choice that we remake every day that's, like, kind of our, like... It's a small business in a way, you know, we have like, you have a cell phone plan and you have like, I mean, our our society set it up, our culture set it up Mm -hmm. so that we pick partners and then we set up like little businesses with them, like where we buy a property and, and we make a little thing and. I'm like, I am a family man. Like there, there's no bigger family man than me, Mm -hmm. but I just think like the, the stuff about like how we're supposed to feel about other people being like finite and then dictated by just one other person that we, you know, shoot all of our um, attention at mm-hmm. and that we've always sh- shot all of our attention at. Like that it's like this thing where, I mean, I, I don't personally have that thing where I'm like jealous of previous partners and I can't even understand that feeling, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that like lie that we're told like, oh, I don't want to ever meet her or whatever when I'm like, <laughs> like, what does that even come from? Like, you want like a fresh, like, what, like, you want like an untouched human that's like never, like, known another romance? Like, that's never had feelings for anybody else? Should they also have no friends? Should they also not have a job? Like, what, but that's, you want like a plant. That's very, uh, romanticized and it's, it's very romanticized but i think that it is a mo- <laughs> it's more romantic to be like 
I have been through some serious stuff and I have loved a lot of people mm-hmm. and um, I've loved a lot of people in a lot of different ways and I've had super close friendships and I've had like people that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with and I've had like giant crushes that were never actualized and you know like still amidst all of that I want to set up like a basically like a kennel for our dog <laughs> like, like if there's if Rhea in my apartment is anything it's just like a safe space for Murph to explore his <laughs> world you know what I mean like uh-huh. I still want to choose to like get Blue Apron delivered to the same address as you like I just it's we, this is all you know a negotiation and you get to choose what the parts of it are and mm-hmm. you, I don't think that we have to diminish ourselves to like right being you know somebody's arm candy i mean what what is this that's also how you that's how that's why relationships end that's why people cheat that's why people like lie to each other right. and well you can't i think if you're in a situation where your partner holds the keys to your identity it's just incredibly dangerous um you know it's not it's not gonna work and there's definitely a way to get out of that you you realize that and you and you share this thing, or I, my analogy is falling apart. No, no, yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, there's a there's a song that I love that you reminded me of. There's a song, this Mason Jennings song called "Darkness Between the Fireflies." It's the first time I ever heard a love song about thinking about somebody's previous lovers and accepting and even appreciating that. It's so pretty. It's like jealousy has no use for me. The past is beautiful like the darkness between the fireflies. It's a really beautiful song. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, there's that song and then there's an Emily King song called Distance that's about having space, like having space from your partner uh, because you just, you need to like reboot and then coming back to them. And I discovering those kind of things it's so exciting to me because there's so many love stories and there's so much art about love that that could exist. Just this infinite world of possibilities, like world of love stories that are untold. And I really want to tell them to kids. That's the thing. That's the thing. I didn't find that until I was older. Um, and it's just such a beautiful, like... I love that's I love both of those songs and I just remember thinking like I wish I had these when I was younger because what you tell children is that is are these love at first sight love at first sight stories that are very unhelpful I think um they don't really make any sense um and they're always heteronormative and they end like a they end. That's, I mean, I guess they have to end. That's the nature of a story, but they really shouldn't end. You know, it's like you you win when you get married. I, I mean, it's not, everyone's like, oh, like, then there's like funny jokes and stories about how marriage is horrible. And it's like, well, if you think you won when you got married, then what are you doing? You're not in the story anymore. Like, that's, what is that even going to be at that point? And how many kids are you going to tell that story to? Then they're going to get confused when... Everything's not just great after you're married to someone that you don't even know. I think you're totally right. As somebody who is married, because uh, you guys aren't married. Mm-mm. As somebody who's married, um, I think like what I didn't, because all those jokes about like, you know, marriage is hell or whatever, like those are like real things because, I mean, you love your job. Mm-hmm. so much and your job causes you like unending stress oh yes and like you probably have moments where you would like to storm out of the building and moments where you would like to like never see the people you work with again mm-hmm. so it's that right it's oh the same thing i read a great thing go oh, gosh i'm not sure where i read it um someone saying the grass is always greener where you water it I was like, oh, that's good. That is exactly right. Also, at the end of the day, it's realizing that it's your own creation. You know, like, Mm -hmm. you're the boss at your show. 
and you made the thing and it's coming out of your brain. It's super stressful and there's days you want to leave or whatever it is, you know, like whatever that particular feeling is. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you had the enormous privilege of being able to find that thing in your brain and being able to connect to it and being able to make it. And so like that's the thing, right? It's just like I think that's what all relationships are, friendships, family relationships. It's like mm-hmm. you're always making a choice to stay in touch with people and to let people into your life. And it's really hard. It's hard to be a person. Being a person right. is really hard. <laughs> yeah. And then being a person and the other person that you're talking to is also a person and they're having a really hard time. Yeah. I mean, And you ran a show, are running a show yeah. with your significant other. That's hard. It's awful. It's awful. But it's also like the best. <laughs> right, right. It's like the greatest. Well, um, I read a while ago, and I, now I think about it all all the time to the point that it's almost a running joke in my home. Um, I read about enantiodromia. It's the concept that an extreme will inevitably produce the opposite of that extreme. That's how I think that is. It's like something that's so incredibly great has got to also be so incredibly terrible. It's sort of the nature of extremes. Exactly. Yep, that's it. You figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want to numb yourself to the to the dizzying highs uh, because of the terrifying lows. I think that the fact that you can have any dizzying highs after terrifying lows is like astounding on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I mean, in whatever you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, especially if it's your work. It's just, um, I love, I still get so excited about, I've been working on this show for a very long time, but even recently, I mean, even things I was working on just today, like I'll be thinking about a plan or working on a piece of it where like my heart will race because I'm just that excited and I'll be like oh it's it's a good relationship I still have I think with this art because it's always different and I'm excited by it all the time that's my relationship also in my life is, is similar so I'm very lucky and I think I'm able to be there more for both of those things because I'm not also fighting myself on a regular basis. Fuck yeah. That's that has to be true. It's too much energy. Yes. To waste on another thing. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. I mean and it, and it is actually like and I'm not saying this to to give you like regrets, but it is actually like it is actually wasted energy because it doesn't produce anything you know what I mean when you're putting your energy into something that only produces shame there's so many times that we think we're wasting energy and we're not you know but like putting energy into shame and suppression is really one of those times when it just goes away yeah like there isn't a return on that except for (laughs) I suppose so like this is why so I mean number one you are enormously successful and you figured out how to do all of that and you coached yourself through it you should be super proud of that oh thank you because like you created your own reality to get yourself out of a situation that you weren't happy in i hope that you know that and think about that oh thanks like how big that is i think the alternative was unsustainable (laughs) yeah Uh, i mean but people do it you know and you and you certainly did it in like a blaze of glory like you pulled yourself out of there in a blaze of glory. <laughs> so that's awesome. Thanks. It feels very ongoing. This is still, it still feels very uh, tricky. I still, there's a voice in the back of my head going like, why are you, who, no one's going to want to hear you talk about this, Rebecca. <laughs> like, don't do it. It's, it's, so it's an ongoing thing. But I'd rather be putting my energy into making that voice smaller than feeding it all the time. I think that voice, I mean, maybe not, but I feel like it will go away because, I mean, I don't know. I, I, like, it's all very ridiculous and self-indulgent. Our jobs are pretty 
fun and light and really important and heavy and all this like all at once you know right like mm-hmm. i'm not actually like running into a I'm not actually like pulling anybody from like a swimming pool and like resuscitating them, and I'm not like giving anybody uh-huh. like a liver transplant. I'm not doing that. Um, but I do think that like the thing that you're giving is other people the ability to shut that voice down. They're gonna, you know, like get ready because this is. I think if you, if you're like I've never had community like this, I just feel like. You're you're gonna get it back in spades. What you're putting out. Well, I love I'm, when people come to me and say that the show helped them come out or brought them to a, a circle of friends. Now they have queer friends, or I met a at a book signing um, a teenager with her mom. Her mom was like, "Oh, this is my daughter. She's in the queer youth program at her high school." I like. I just like was so excited. I mean, it's so wonderful. I know. I get that stuff too. It rocks my world. Yeah, I. It's just so great. Um. It's just so great, and I get emotional. And I, and I all I can think is like me too. <laughs> like not that I'm in in the queer for high school, but I am like going to these. Things. Yeah, I'm meeting these uh, teens. That, that I'm so I'm just so happy that they're smiling back at me and feeling great and oh just all the time they'll never have to waste with that with that voice in the back there they're just gonna they're never gonna it's just so great and it and it helped me come out too and then especially I do have a special place in my heart when people tell me it helped them come out as bi because I know that that's a particularly scary thing to ask people to care about um, because a lot of people won't necessarily understand. So when, when anyone says that to me, I'm just like, ah, <laughs> I, awesome. I understand. And I love that they know that I understand. Um, I mean, that's what it, that's what it is. I think one thing that's been interesting talking about representation um People will get excited thinking, oh, you know, people, this will do people good. And also, like, people sort of vote with their pocketbook. They, you know, people will want to be a part of this because of because it's a movement in this way. And all of that stuff is is nice. And it's just not that to me. Like, it's it is community. I mean, I've seen it happen because I've seen it happen for me. Um, It's not commodity. Early on when I was working, I was excited because I was like, yeah, I want to change the world. Like, I really do. This is going to be something that it's in people's homes. And people will have access to it. People will have access to art, and it should be great art. And I felt that way on Adventure Time, too. Adventure Time is a great piece of art. And I was so excited to be a part of something that would reach so many people and so many kids who can't necessarily just hop up and go to a museum with a piece of existentialist art in it. You know, we were getting to make that on that show. We were getting to make poetry. And I wanted that too. And so this is the thing that's really new to me because it's literally new to me that it could be community. It could help someone find a community and then the thing really falls away because it's you that matters more and you'll know that for sure when you are suddenly connected with people who who really care about who you are and if you didn't know how to find them before and if you feel that for me because I want people to feel that for me I want them to I just want to radiate oh I care out of this thing I think it I, I you're doing it yeah it is working so even that it's like it's not the product like I really really care about this and I really care about these kids and I just I want them to feel that in a way that I didn't feel that I get to feel now so in a way it makes it very easy because I'm writing in real time 
Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, Rebecca, you are awesome. Oh, Thank you for coming back on. Shucks. And before we head out today, do you have any, do you have a queero in your life? Yes. That you'd like to shout out? I do. Um, when I was learning about a lot of this, uh, when I finally stopped being afraid and started looking up information about bisexual people, because I was like, oh, right. That's a thing, and I am one. I started learning about Brenda Howard. She is known as the mother of pride, and she helped popularize the the concept, the term pride. And there's a time when people didn't talk about gay pride or pride events because people just didn't talk about that. And I think, and uh, she's bisexual and she's Jewish, and I had never had a role model bisexual Jewish role model and the fact that she was such a figure in LGBTQ rights at a time when I was just honestly just being born and I never knew about her it's also just so I, I feel like we should have a chance to learn about these incredibly important people I never had an opportunity as a kid to have a role model like her and I finally do and it's really exciting to me, um, and it's exciting to me that a group of people could get together and decide this is pride, this is the word we're going to use, and that that could come also from a bisexual person, because I didn't really know that I would get to be a part of the community. But she was a huge force in this community, and... So I feel really proud to be bisexual because of Brenda Howard. What up? Shout out, Brenda. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rebecca, for being back on this show, for the work that you do. <laughs> you take care of yourself. You keep keep uh, feeling good. Keep oh, feeling good about the decision to talk about yourself and be open about yourself. I'm just going to say, person to person, looking in your eyeballs... It's the right choice. It's the right choice to share yourself with other people. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me back, being patient enough to do this with me twice. Oh, God. <laughs> My pleasure. Let's go find now who we are. Who we are. Well, listeners, that's our show. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Cameron Esposito. We are recorded by Matt Brousseau, produced by Sierra Catow and Feral Audio. Our theme song is by AW, and you can find them at listentoaw.com. Thanks for listening to Query. Feral Audio. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Ah, uh, yes. I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> Ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.